I'm Susan Page, Washington Bureau Chief of USA Today, and this is Capital Download. We're joined today by Diane Guerrero, who's a star of Orange is the New Black and Jane the Virgin. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You are also now an author. Your new book, we have it here. It's called In the Country We Love, My Family Divided. An immigration debate is raging in this country, but it's very personal for you. You open the book with May 17th. 2001, almost exactly 15 years ago, you came home from school. What did you find? I, yeah, I came home from school and I, my parents were gone. And a neighbor came in and told me that they had been taken away by immigration. And so then I knew what that meant because we had uh, lived in fear for so long that, that this day would come. And, and finally that fear came true. And it was, you know, it was like, I think, still one of the most difficult days in my life. Well, I can only imagine. Yeah. You're 14 years old. You come home, your parents are gone. Mm -hmm. They were from Colombia? Yes. They were here illegally? Well, they yes, they, they were here undocumented. They, um, they overstayed their visas. Um, they, were, they were sure they, they were fighting to find a path for citizenship, and they kept trying and hired lawyers and really did uh, I mean, this is all they talked about. This is all we thought about every day, and, and, uh, but to no avail. So you're a minor. You're just 14 years old. What happened? Did, did the Immigration Service take care of you? Did Child Protective Services, were they in contact with you? What happened then? No, I, no, no one did. No one checked up. No one called. I, it was as if I, didn't, I never existed. I mean, I waited there. I mean, we sort of, you know, I, I, I remember I called my, um, my friend's mother and we sort of waited there to see what was going to happen and nothing did and even in school you know I was I was I still I kept attending the same high school and we thought for sure somebody was gonna come and check up and we had like this whole thing planned and what are, you know what we're gonna say and hopefully I could stay in school and hopefully I won't be taken away but we were waiting to see if any of that happened if there, there could be any resolve but no one ever did so we just decided that maybe the safest thing for me at that time was just to, I guess if they didn't come knocking, then I shouldn't you know, say anything myself. So I just kept quiet and pretended that it never really happened. You know, you think about it, 14 years old, not really that old. Being a teenager, not really that easy, even mm -hmm. if you're in a household with parents. How was that growing up? Getting out of high school, you went to college. Mm -hmm. How did things go for you being out there basically on your own? Of course, you don't think about um, all the psychological and emotional damage that had happened and everything that I was suppressing and all my anger and fear and resentment and pain that um, it started, you know, slowly creeping up. And it's funny because I, I talk to people who have experience with a parent being deported and I, I've been able to connect so much on just the depression and mental health issues. Um, so that's something that I discovered along the way. Obviously, I, I needed help um, because I, I pretty much, I think, had PTSD because I would, I mean, I was so, so traumatized by the whole experience and meeting other people who, were go who had gone through the same thing, I found that they were going through similar symptoms and and um, just this like wave of emotion and trying to keep it together and trying to move forward. Um, but it was definitely difficult. You suffered from depression, you drank a lot, mm -hmm. you even started cutting Yeah, yourself. Yeah, that was part of um, 
you know, feeling like I was alone, feeling like I couldn't, feeling helpless, like I couldn't help my parents, felt like, okay, you know what, my life is ruined, my family's life is ruined, and I'm a very emotional person, if you can already tell. Um, and, and I was just, you know, I didn't know how to deal with, with everything, so I felt like I wasn't worth anything anymore. Like you, I, you, you came know. through it in a big way and now are very successful. And I know that because you've been open about your story yeah. and working, um, been, become an activist on immigration issues, you hear from kids who are in the situation you were in, yeah. who have parents who are here, who worry about deportation or who have been deported. What advice do you give them? What do you tell them? As a kid, felt like I had no voice felt like I had no options and that's what drove me to this really dark place and I wanted to go out there I wanted to speak out I wanted to use my voice but thought I couldn't thought that no one could relate to me but I want them to know that there are so many people that that can connect to them and could help them and if they band together if we work together and be and become politically active we can make some changes in this presidential race we've heard a lot of talk about immigration Donald Trump who now is likely to be the Republican presidential nominee says we should round up the 11 million mm -hmm. people, estimated people who are here without papers and deport them all. What effect, what impact does it have when you hear it or when folks in the community you came from, when yeah. they hear that kind of language? Well, I think he has a lot of people afraid and like, and, and I think not just people who are undocumented, but people who are, you know, just citizens of this country. American citizens. They ha he has them completely scared, which is just the wrong thing to do and I think the wrong way to go. He's dividing the nation and I think that this is a time where we need unity and where we need understanding of what we're, of what we're dealing with. Now, I don't, I mean, I'm no policy expert, but I don't know how you're going to round up 11 million people and deport them all. And I don't see how that could be good for our economy and certainly not for families and I, I just don't think it's a good thing. I mean, since when is it good to separate a family and to just think of people as just numbers and illegals, you know? No one is illegal. And I don't think, I don't think the majority of the people in this country want, think that that idea is a good idea. Also the idea of building a, a wall. Yeah. What do you think about that? <laughs> Again, it's so, so divisive. And like, believe me, a wall is not gonna keep people away from their families. They're not gonna, it's not gonna keep away um, people who are running away from dire situations. Um, so I don't know how that would work. In your book you talk about your mother being deported twice. Yeah. And returning both yeah. times to yeah. be deported finally. Again, yeah, she was desperate to get to me. And her love was so great that she, she, she made that sacrifice and she paid the ultimate price. Believe me, she did. We all did. You know, voter turnout among Latinos has been historically pretty low. Among Latinos who are American mm -hmm. citizens, not very high turnout rates. Yeah. Do you think that'll be different this year because of the attention and the rhetoric around the immigration issue? I mean, we're working so hard so that everyone takes this seriously. And I think a lot of it, and, and I think that's how I felt like in you know, some of the neighborhoods that I grew up is that, oh, my vote doesn't matter. No one cares about me. I mean, when you've grown up in this um, in, in a way where, you know, people tell you that you're less than, that people tell you that your voice doesn't matter, that, you know, you should go back to your country. I mean, people say, tell me to go back to my country, and, and I'm an American. And I think they're seeing, and by me 
you know, a young person who's, who's writing about this stuff and being unafraid, I hope, I hope will motivate people to also get involved and to say, hey, she came from the same place that I did and she is speaking out and she is unafraid and she says that her story has value, maybe mine does too. And that's what I'm here to do, to remind everybody that they do have a voice and that they do have a say. So get out there and vote. You know, I wonder though, President Obama promised in two elections to pursue mm -hmm. comprehensive immigration reform, didn't deliver on it. So when Hillary Clinton says, I believe in comprehensive immigration reform, is there any instinct that, yeah, we've, we've heard this before and yeah, it yeah. just doesn't get delivered? Yeah, I mean, I think that right now, it, right now we need to, I think, really put people to the test. So I think it's important to hold these candidates accountable to see what they're going to do and make them talk about it, make, it ad make them address the issue and not ignore and like pivot, as I've learned. Before you wrote your book, did your coworkers know your personal story? Um, no. No. No, no, no. No one did. I mean, I feel like I, I confided in some people and, um, but I was just, I really was determined to just, just be and not talk about it. I think until I started feeling bad again. And when I say bad, it's like I, I started feeling blue and upset and because the immigration issue was, was open again and it was everyone was talking about it and yet I found myself not talking about it and not um, uh, giving my input when in my mind and in my heart I knew that I had so much to say because I had lived it. One last question, 15 sure. years now since your folks were deported, have they come back, been able to come back to the United States? Do they want to? Oh, they want to, of course, yeah, and I want them to. I am so desperate for us to feel like a family again. Diane Guerrero, thanks for joining us on Capital Download. Thank you so much.